Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. So this morning, uh, as was said, I'm going to be hopefully speaking, well, I am going to be speaking on the importance of forgiving one another. And we're going to use a um, scripture that is very, very to the point and very simple. No long, involved passage to exegete, just a straight scripture. And it'll be up on the board as Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. As, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Just straight to the point. Now this uh, point of forgiveness is very important. It's very important in Scripture. It is fundamental to Christianity. And uh, to, sh- to illustrate the importance, we look at uh, God in, his, in the Scripture. The first thing in the Old Testament we see after creation, we see Adam and Eve falling. And the first thing right after that, we see God demonstrating forgiveness. And it says that um, he, uh, Adam and his wife were clothed by God. God made garments for them and they were clothed. And that is an aspect of forgiving them for their sin. When they sinned, he didn't uh, annihilate them and wipe them out from the face of the earth. He covered their sin. So we see forgiveness right at the beginning of the Bible. And in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 1, we know that all four Gospels, Jesus is demonstrating his uh, salvation. He, he's bringing salvation to the people. And it says right at the beginning of Matthew in chapter 1, it says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means salvation, because he will save his people from their sins. And keep in mind that there is no um, salvation without forgiveness. The whole basis of it is that we have sinned against God and we deserve death, and yet he has forgiven us. So we see that as well in the New Testament. And all throughout the New Testament, 64 times the word forgive and its derivatives, forgiven, forgave, forgives, is mentioned. So it's very important. And that's just the word itself, not to be the the concept is, is stretched out many, many passages in the New Testament. So forgiveness is good. I'd like to look at this through three different points and it's found right in that text. And the first point is the basis of forgiveness is be kind and compassionate. You see the scripture there, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Be kind and compassionate. Now, kindness, a definition of kindness is having or showing a friendly nature, having a a friendly, generous, and considerate nature, uh, or it is of a sympathetic nature nature or helpful nature. So it's in our nature, and kindness is, while it seems like a simple word, it is a very powerful word. It is being sympathetic towards somebody. Uh, God's kindness is the basis, actually, for our kindness. It says in Romans chapter 11, 22, consider therefore the kindness of God. And he says, and you should continue in his kindness. So his kindness is the basis for our kindness. Likewise, compassion. Compassion, the definition of compassion is sympathetic consciousness of others' distresses, others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. See, it is having sympathy for something that someone else might be going through at that point. Sympathetic and awareness, conscious of it, 
with the desire to take it away from them. That is what compassion is all about. Uh, and we see a lack of that uh, uh, tremendously in our society today. But God calls the church for us to be compassionate and to desire to alleviate others' frustrations and, and, and distresses. God, it says in, in um, Psalm 86, verse 15, But you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. There is a, def- there is a description right there of God's compassion, and that is the basis for our compassion. So our compassion and our kindness is based on God's kindness and compassion. Now, it's interesting that kindness and compassion are tremendous aids in forgiving others. They are tremendous aids. You know, if we focus on the actions of others, uh, it will lead us to judgment. We will cast a sentence to them, and the sentence is, I will be angry at you. I will not speak to you. Okay, that is what your payment is for how you wronged me. If we can focus on motives, it leads to compassion. And how that works is, if you commit a sin against me or an offense against me, I look at the actions and I say, you know what? He, he talked to me in a certain way and I don't like it. He cut me off in traffic or he did this and I don't like it. And we focus on the actions. But when we turn it around and look at ourselves and we talk nasty at someone, we say, yeah, but I was having a hard day, and yeah, my boss was on my case, and the kids and everything. We look at, but I didn't mean to. Well, we would do well to turn that equation around and say, hey, you know what? They might be having a bad day. Instead of focusing on it, and it'd be good for us to focus on our, on our, um, our own uh, actions as well. It would help us and help others. But in the meantime, focus on maybe they are having a bad day, and that can lead to compassion, which leads to, can lead to forgiveness. So now, um, that is the first point. The basis of all this is kindness and compassion. Now let's look at the second point, the necessity of forgiveness. The necessity of forgiveness is building a healthy body by forgiving one another. And yes, amen. Now, um, if the scripture, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. That's key. Just two little words, each other. We have to understand that the, the, the context of this passage, this is at the end of chapter four in Ephesians. He says each other. Who is each other? It is the believers at Ephesus. It's stated right at the beginning of the book in chapter 1. It says, Paul, to the saints at Ephesus. So we're talking about saints. We're talking about believers. Chapter 4 is a whole litany of verses that describe the body, that talk about the body. I'll give you a couple of them. Uh, So the whole context is, and there are some up on the screen behind us. Um, It says uh, in verse 2, bear with one another. In verse 4, one body. In verse 4, five and six, it talks about the oneness of the body. In verse three and verse 13, it talks about the unity of the body coming together. And unity, by the way, is based on the word unit, which also means one, bringing the body oneness or unity. And verse 12 and 16, it talks about building up the body, making the body healthy. All this scripture is leading up to where it comes in at the end and says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgive one another. Now, in description of forgiveness. Forgiveness, let's talk about a couple things that it is and a couple things that it isn't. First of all, forgiveness is related to pardon. It is related to pardon in the sense that, um, like, for example, our president, the president of the United States, has the ability 
uh, to forgive or to, excuse me, to pardon the crimes of, of another individual, of another citizen. And when that happens, there is no more crime. There is no more debt to society. It is, it is over. It's gone. And that's what forgiveness is like. Pardon, gone. Another aspect of forgiveness is it is a release of, from an obligation. It is being released from an obligation. Usually that's financial, and it works this way. If I owe a company and they forgive me my debt, I no longer owe them. I have no obligation to pay them anymore. Once again, it is gone, wiped away. That's where we're coming from with forgiveness. Uh, so not only it's, it's related to pardon, and it is related to, it, it, is re, it is a release from an obligation. One thing it is not is it's not an, it's not an act out of emotion. Emotion doesn't have anything to do with it. When we forgive someone, the feelings may come later, okay? And something else, the feelings may never come, okay? And uh, let me take this point to recognize that most of what we have to forgive for others, most of these things are very trivial. That is the, the, the thing that happens so often. The disputes I get in with my family and, and friends and, and my children, <laughs> these disputes are usually very small things that I've blown up. But I don't want to minimize because there are, some <laughs> there are some very, very big things that happen, some very hurtful and destructive things that happen to us in life at this point of life or maybe as when we were children. And we are required to forgive those, but those feelings may never come back. When I get into a dispute with my wife a week later after I have chosen to forgive her, um, I don't, yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen often. Uh, no, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, the, and all God's wives said amen. But uh, when I do choose to forgive her, a week later, it's like, I don't even remember what she did, what I, what I was so upset about at the time. And I'm lovey-dovey again. We feel the emotions may never come back with somebody that's done some destructive things. We've seen some destructive things in the news these days about some Hollywood people and so forth. And those things, you know, those people will never feel good about that. But feelings are, and emotions are inconsequential to forgiveness. We must forgive irrespective of whether we feel like it or not. That is God's command. And that's one of the things that could be so tough. God commands things that are hard. You know, I, I used to command my children to eat certain vegetables. I never had to command them to eat ice cream. Just what didn't work that way. <laughs> things that are easy are not a commandment. I had to command them to stop eating the ice cream, right? <laughs> So it is not an act of a will, but it is an act, uh, or it's not an act of emotion, but it is an act of the will. It is an act of the will. It is a choice that we made, and it is out of obedience to the Spirit of God. God's Holy Spirit requires us, and He commands us to, and it is our obedience to forgive, but it is also by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can forgive. So God... Uh, calls us to forgive, and then enables us to forgive. God never requires something that, it, uh, that he doesn't pay for. He pays us. He gives us the ability to be able to do that. Now, another thing, forgiveness is a demonstration of love. If uh, Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is uh, the love chapter, and in verse 5 of that chapter, the second part of that verse, it says, love keeps no records of wrongs. Keeps no records of wrongs. What is that a, a, another word for? Forgiveness. 
forgiveness, wiping it away. It is gone. And that's what we do. We keep a ledger of things people have done to us. Oh, she did this. He did that, you know. And this is, this is, this is what we go by, you know. And they're going to pay. I'm going to emotionally make them pay. Well, love doesn't do that. Love takes that, that laundry list of things, and it takes it, and it sets the bick to it. It puts it on fire, gets rid of it. It is gone. And we would do well to remember that. Now, it is not. One thing, if emotion, if forgiveness is not. It is not a removal of consequences or it is not a loss of memory. A lot of people think we have to forgive and forget. The Bible never says forgive and forget. Okay? We don't dwell on it, so we don't try to remember it, but we're human and we're going to remember things. And because it comes back to our memory does not mean that we haven't forgiven it. It just came back to our memory. And that is an opportunity for us, once again, to say, yes, it came back, uh, but I have forgiven that person. You know, sometimes it can be the enemy. Remember what he did to you? Huh? And we say, yes, Satan, I remember, and remember I forgave him? Huh? Yeah, okay. Be, get you behind me, Satan. But uh, that can be. So it can come back to our memory. That is not. What it has to do is it doesn't have to leave here. It has to leave here. This is what we're dealing with. Forgiveness is from here. And so when we do that, we release them emotionally, and if it comes back, it comes back. And if we are in the position of issuing consequences, we may be their boss or their, 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 their parent or something, doesn't mean a removal of consequences. It, again, is coming from here, but if they are responsible, if the consequence is uh, that they have to be um, terminated or let go for a week or something like that on suspension, then it has to be done. That's done from here, not from here. Um, we see that illustrated in uh, Genesis chapter one, uh, chapter three. Excuse me. When I we pointed to it earlier about God clothing them for their sin, God clothed them and covered it. But be, even before that, He said, "Adam," or He said, "Eve." Uh, from now on, you will be in pain, childbirth. Adam, from now on, the gr- ground will be cursed because of this, and that continues on today. What, what a lot of people would have us to do is to think, oh, you, you know, in order to forgive, no consequences. So that would mean they'd still be in the Garden of Eden today. But no, the consequences was they were out of the Garden. So remember that. Now, forgiveness. Forgiveness, here's how it works in being a healthy church. Forgiveness is related to our witness. It says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that God's kindness leads us to repentance. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And when we look at God uses our forgiveness of others, he uses our forgiveness to lead others to repentance. It's his kindness, but as we exercise it, we become a vessel of his kindness, we are able to, he is able to lead them to conviction and repentance. Um, in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 17 and 20, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. It says, this is a scripture that's quoted out of Proverbs. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head, and the Lord will reward you. Okay? And so, um, that is very interesting, very important, because the burning coals is represented there of the conviction, and, and which can lead to repentance. Um, if we return evil for evil, then they set, we, they set their jaw against us, we set their jaw against them, and there's no hearing from God. Um, also, we are in John chapter 13. We are called to love one another. God said, Jesus said in John 13, 
34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. How will the world know you, we are children of God? Well, the most important way they know is because they see us loving one another. And in these days of divisiveness and, and, and vitriol and hatred in our society and uh, bitterness at each other, when they say two people who shouldn't be loving each other, loving each other, that baffles the unbeliever. And I want that. I want some of that. As a matter of fact, um, that actually um, is part of my testimony, how I got saved. Charlene, um, there, there was this one period of, of time several years ago when you know, she was living for the Lord and I was intentionally trying to make her life miserable. I said there was one time. There's probably a whole lot of times that happened. But uh, this particular time... I was intentionally trying to make her life miserable. And I was blaming her for things I knew she didn't even do, but it was just to get her to fuss at me and argue with me and, and battle back and forth. I know it sounds sick, but that's because it is. Um, but, <laughs> but here, I um, was chastising her. You did this and so. And she was saying, I'm sorry, I will try to do better. And that floored me. I, that made me even angrier at first because it's like, wait a minute, she knows I didn't do, she didn't do this. Why is she apologizing? But she came with a forgiving attitude. And by the way, she knew I was lying on her, so she was forgiving me for that. She had such a gentle spirit that by the time about three weeks went by, I looked her dead in the eye and I said, I want to believe what you believe. This is, I'm not embellishing this story at all for this. That is exactly what I said. And one day later, someone brought the gospel to me and I received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that night. And that, praise God, praise God. And that is how it, that is a quick version. Sometimes some, that, that, that happens years and years and years. And for some reason in my experience, it happened real quick. But um, that's how it should work. So it is related to our witness. It is also, um, it relates to warfare. One of the important things in Christianity is we forget who the enemy is. We so forget that. And Charlene taught me this a while ago, and now it's our family, our, our, our mantra, and that is, you are not my enemy. You know, we can get angry at each other, but you're not the enemy. Oh, my gosh. When will we get this? Christianity is the only uh, uh, warfare mechanism, the only military that goes out and shoots its own. When we, we do it. We love to do it for some reason. And... Um, I would say I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm more preaching to the, no, not the Army either, more preaching to the Navy. That's what I'm doing, right? <laughs> Got to get it right. Can you edit arm, the word Army out of the tape when, we, when it comes out? <laughs> um, when we don't forgive one another, when we don't forgive one another, we attack our own allies and our own comrades in battle, all right? And just while this passage says forgive one another, we need to forgive others too. When we do not forgive unbelievers, we are attacking those who are captives of the enemy. If you think of it in warfare terms, those are the ones we're called to rescue from the clutches of the enemy, and here we are attacking them through our unforgiveness. We must release that. So it, it relates to warfare. And uh, just as a little exercise, I would like you to look to someone to the left of you, to the right of you, behind you, in front of you, and just state, you are not my enemy. Seriously, I want you to look right in the eye and, and say, you are not my enemy. Yes, you are not my enemy. Okay? And I want you to mean it. And I want... 
<laughs> I'm not sure why people are choosing who to say this to, but um, I can see every one of you, and I want to look at every one of you and say, you are not my enemy. And let us get that right, okay? Now, the problem of unforgiveness. So let's just look at unforgiveness for a moment. Unforgiveness, um, I, I have five points on the problem of unforgiveness, five quick points, don't, don't worry. But um, there's pro- there could be 20 or 30 of these. I just picked out five. One of the things that unforgiveness does is it uses emotional energy that we could be using to serve the Lord and our families and the body of Christ. We're so worried about the, uh, what someone else did. Number two, it enslaves us emotionally to that person. Number three, it leads us to do vindictive things that are often foolish and childish. Yeah, yeah, think about that. Yeah, if we're really honest with ourselves, right? Number four, we hurt other people. We hurt other people. And, 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 and when I'm talking about hurt other people, I'm not even talking about the person who we're not forgiving. We hurt external people. You know what I'm saying? And then we poison other people spiritually. Okay, we are called to live at peace with, uh, as far as every, make every, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, 15 says, uh, make every effort to live in peace with all men and see to it that no bitter root grows up that causes trouble or defiles many. Those five points I want to illustrate in a little, seri- a little thing I like to call, um, and I just came up with this, Game of Thrones. No, I, um, anyway... <laughs> No, this is out of the life of Saul, though, uh, from the Game of Thrones series that uh, Brett has been preaching on. Remember the life of Saul and that whole thing? He gets pretty ridiculous, but those five points can be seen. Um, Number one, he should be leading a kingdom, but he's focused constantly on David, a shepherd boy. That's emotional energy he's spending. He's chasing David all over the countryside. He is emotionally enslaved to this young man. Uh, he, uh, He pins David to the wall. He goes to a witch for counsel. That is very vindictive, foolish, and childish. He mistreats his own son, Jonathan, who had nothing to do with it. Uh, He hurts other people. And he influences others, among others, Doeg the Edomite, who goes in and ends up slaying uh, several uh, scores of priests of the Lord. Okay? He emotionally poisoned, he spiritually poisoned Doeg the Edomite. Unforgiveness can be pictured this way. When someone commits an offense against me, I have my own little personal prison. And I open the prison door when you have offended me, and I get my little key, I open it up, and I walk in the prison and I shut the door behind me, and then I put the key out of my own reach. And then I stand behind the bars and point out and say, see, now, how do you like that? I just put myself in prison. How does that feel to you, huh? Is that not what we do? Come on. Come on. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's exactly what we do. <laughs> we imprison our own cells over them. So anyway, uh, so it, it, that is uh, the basis of forgiveness, or that is the uh, nature of forgiveness. Now I want to look at the, fourth point, or the, the third point, demonstration of forgiveness. This is in Ephesians 4.32, the third part of it. God is the one who demonstrates forgiveness. It says, forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Just as in Christ. One of the things about that is we need to forgive 
like God forgave because we are, quite frankly, made in his image. It says in Genesis 1.27, we are created in the image of God. And as God does, we should do. And he empowers us to do that. Now, what is the timing of forgiveness? When should we forgive? Well, the answer is right away. You know, when they do it, we do not wait till they get right. You know, I want to wait till they grovel some amount at least, right? God says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. It does not say once we got right, Christ died for us. Once we groveled. No, while we were sinners. And while that person is sinning against me, that's when I forgive. That's the timing. The degree of forgiveness, all sins. It doesn't matter how small or big. We forgive all offenses against us. He forgave us from hating him to the point of putting him on a cross. And let's not get, let's not, uh, get it mixed up that uh, those Romans and those, those Jews put him on the cross. I put him on the cross as well, okay? And I was there rooting for him in my sin, okay? And he forgave. Jesus illustrated that right from the cross in Luke 23, 34. He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing, okay? And that's a picture, again, of what I said earlier, okay? The actions were they put him on the cross, and he looked at their possible motives. It's like they don't know what they're doing, Lord, how well we could use that. So that's the degree of forgiveness. Forgive everything. And keep in mind, Jesus, God forgave us for putting him on the cross. Last I looked, nobody put me on a cross, all these offenses are less than putting me on a cross. If he forgave, I can forgive that. Now, um, also the extent of forgiveness. The extent of forgiveness is fully, fully. He forgave us, uh, as we heard earlier, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Um, and the goal of forgiveness is to restore relationship to restore relationship, that is to cleanse our relationship. In 1 John 1, 9, God says, um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the whole idea of forgiveness, purifying us. He allowed us to be, remain in relationship with him because of he forgave us. And that's what we do for each other. We build the relationship. God said, as he did, as he forgave us, so we forgive others. We purify our relationships one with another. And once again, that's how all men will know that we are his disciples. Um, I have a quote here that I found from Albert Barnes on his, um, his uh, notes on the Bible. And Let's just read this together. Look at this. This says, let a man recollect his own sins and follies. Let him look over his life and see how often he has offended God. Let him remember that all has been forgiven. And then, fresh with this feeling, let him go and meet an offending brother and say, my brother, I forgive you. I do it frankly. I do it fully and wholly. So Christ has forgiven me, so I forgive you. The offense shall be no more remembered. It shall not be referred to in our contact just to harrow up your feelings. It shall not diminish my love for you. It shall not prevent my uniting with you in doing good. 
Christ treats me, a poor sinner, as a friend, and so I will treat you. That is the attitude. That sums it all up. That is the attitude that we want to go towards each other with, remembering that all that God has forgiven me, the little I can forgive you. Remember the unforgiving servant? 10,000 talents. That's millions of dollars his debt was wiped out. Millions. And then 100 denarii, which uh, is a couple bucks, a few dollars, all right? I was forgiven millions. I can't forgive a couple bucks. Let us remember how important that is. And as God forgave us, so we forgive each other. So how do we apply this, applying the word? Well, basically, let's just ask myself some questions. First of all, is there anyone I have not forgiven? Is there anyone I still have that laundry list? Okay? You can torch that list and get rid of it. Am I holding on to any offenses that they've committed to me? If I am, why am I? Why am I holding on? What am I gaining through holding on to these offenses? More importantly, what am I losing by holding on to these offenses? It's critical to relationship. It's critical to witness. It's critical to warfare. And I purpose today in my heart, by God's grace and power, to forgive those who have wronged me. I ask God to help me to have compassion for them and to help me to remember that whatever they've done to me, they have yet to hang me on a cross. I can just remember that. And, and also, in conjunction with that, to continue to remind myself to say, you are not my enemy. You are not my enemy. That is, um, what, that is just some ways to apply the word. So um, with that, I'm going to ask Brett to come forward and bring, uh, what do you have today, the communion table? Thank you very much. Praise God. I uh, want to thank Bobby. It's excellent first teaching. Uh, hard to believe that was his first teaching that he's done. So uh, uh, we're being fed really well and encouraged. And what better way for us than applying the word to come now to the Lord's table? We're going to remember what Christ has done for us. What, what a great verse, you know, that we are to be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven us. And every time we come to this table, we have just heard the gospel proclaimed in word. Now we see and we receive the gospel proclaimed in sacrament. How Christ has done this for us. None of us have a right to this table. None of us have a right to feast upon the body and blood of our Savior. But we are given that because he is merciful and he is compassionate towards us. And as we do this, I want us to think both as we're taking uh, the bread and uh, the, the fruit of the vine this morning, I want us to remember this covers both our sins of omission and our sins of commission. Jesus in his body, which is represented by the bread, kept the law of God, the very things we did not do, the very things we omitted and we did not keep, he kept in your place so that you are fully righteous before God. And 
in his blood, he has removed the sins that we did commit, where we transgressed the law of God. This is how full God's forgiveness is for you and for me. The things you left undone, the things I left undone, he has done in our place. And the things that we did that we ought not to have done, he has paid the penalty and has separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. Though our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. So I invite you this morning to receive the sacrament of our Lord, receive his forgiveness fresh and new. If you are a visitor here with us, we want you to know you do not have to be a member of Bay Ridge Christian Church to participate at this table. You do have to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a meal for believers. And that means you recognize your right to this table, your hope of standing before God on the day of judgment is not in what you have done with your hands. Because what you have done with your hands and what I have done with my hands is work on righteousness. Our hope is what Christ has done in our place. And if you know, as in the words of the hymn, that it's in Christ alone that we, our hope is found. We have no other hope. What we stand upon is Christ alone. If you believe that, I encourage you to participate with us. For what I receive from the Lord, I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from it, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, as we come to this table this morning, we acknowledge freely and openly our sins, they are many. Lord, we acknowledge that as in the parable that Bobby just mentioned, Lord, what we have owed you was millions, billions, trillions. Father, it's beyond calculation. It's beyond comprehension. Our sins, Lord, have been stacked to the heavens. But Father, we come to this table this morning and we eat in faith. Lord, we eat in faith that we are justified by your grace alone and not any of our efforts. We eat in faith that we are justified by the work of Christ alone and not anything we or anyone else have added to merit it. Lord, and we eat in faith, recognizing that we receive this by faith alone. and We add not to it by our own works. Lord, in that spirit, we come to this table this morning. And Father, we pray that that which Christ has done for us would be ministered to us fresh and new by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. The ushers are gonna come forward and they're gonna distribute the elements as they do. Please take them and hold 
uh, onto them. And I encourage you, think of any sins of omission or commission, and let's confess them to our God and receive his forgiveness. In particular, if the Lord has spoken to you this morning regarding anyone you have not forgiven, now is the time to confess, to actively choose to forgive, and to receive God's forgiveness for that, and then his empowerment that you might go forth and forgive. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.